Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. I'm recording this in my office and I'm looking up above my desk and I have a framed picture of David Cross. He's wearing a blue parka, has red backpack. He's sitting in the middle of a field and it's an image from the film, The Dark Divide. And the reason I have this picture, this image from this film is because of today's guest, um, Tom Putnam. He was the director of The Dark Divide. And when I had a chance to interview him and David Cross for um, that film, I just mentioned offhandedly that there was a specific image in the film that really struck me. And it was something that I was thinking about quite a bit um, after viewing the film that I think it just this one moment really encapsulated kind of the whole point of this movie. And I I think the words that I used when describing uh, this particular image, I said, I would hang that image on my wall. And so after interviewing Tom, uh, maybe like the next day or a couple hours after I interviewed him, I got a note that he wanted my address. And so I forwarded along my address and turns out he sent that image to me. He had uh, still from the film of that exact moment that I was talking about blown up and I've had it hung up on my wall and above my off in my office above my desk. And I've had it here for a little bit over a year now. And towards the end of that interview, um, <laughs> there was a brief mention that Tom made to his next film that he had been working on this whole time, which was a documentary about the insane clown posse and specifically about uh, the legal troubles that the insane clown posse have found themselves in when the FBI designated their fans as a gang. And so the film is called the United States of insanity and it'll be available on VOD. Uh, when you're listening to this, it'll be December 10th, so that it'll be available today if you're listening to it on Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this the night that it drop, it'll be tomorrow. So make sure you check out this film because it'll leave you asking one question, I think. There's a possibility of this question um, that you might ask yourself. You might come out of this saying, am I a juggalo? Which was and is a question I th never thought I would ask myself. So a uh, big thanks to Tom for coming back on the show again. It was great to speak with him and he's made a hell of a movie, something I highly recommend. If you're not a fan of the insane clown posse, I still think there's a lot to enjoy about this film. If you've ever felt um, like you were another, an outsider, I think there will be elements of this film that you'll deeply relate to. And if you're, just into criminal justice reform and um, the overreach of unchecked power that we sometimes give to the FBI and other um, policing organizations. I, I think that you'll find something in this film. So um, enough of my blabbering. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Oh, uh, one last thing. For more information about the film, uh, go to icpmovie.com. Oh, it's been a minute. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things. It's been last time we spoke. It was right at the beginning of all this, and now here we are. You know, almost two years later, and we're still What's still here. Changed, I know. As the the plus side for me is I just like sit in my apartment and get movies done. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping like the third time this isn't the case. That next time I talk to you, I'm hoping that we won't be in the middle of this crap anymore. So. Yeah, the new the next one. There's the next one. Uh, is going to probably be out in April. So maybe. Oh, I hope. Oh, that, that's doubtful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I gotta 
right away say thank you again for sending that picture of David. I it was floored by that. It sits above my office at home. What? I was it, it, no, no, and it's in my office right above my desk, and it's something that I talk about your film. I don't know, maybe at least once or twice a month to people that come over to the house, you know, the, the happen to notice that and they'll look and they'll be like, who is that? It, that that's not you. And it, no, no, no. Then kind of tell the whole story of your film and you sending that picture and just the generosity of people that you barely know. And just, yeah. So it's, it's something I am talking about your film constantly. So oh, wow. Thank you. That was, I didn't even expect that. That's awesome. Oh, no, oh my God. That's a place of honor. I, <laughs> Neither did I. I. I mean, I was floored by it. So thank you. And I, w- I wasn't lying when I said I wanted to hang that image on my wall. So it'll stay oh, there. Oh, that's so cool. And now here we are at the opposite end of the movie <laughs> spectrum. Although well, if Dark Divide has five ICP Easter eggs in it that only a couple I, I, people have found. I, I, I need to go back because that was at the time when we when you told me about this film, your next project, you mentioned it was just the random conversation of, oh, well, what's coming up next? And anything that you could have said, it would not have been a Juggalo <laughs> movie. That, that was the last thing I would have expected. I, would know. Coming down I don't like, know. What's wrong with me, man? I got to <laughs> focus. I know. It's, it's a, I mean, you know, I could try to create some sort of where's the through line between these things. But the one thing that really is true about both of these stories is that there are stories of outsiders. These are people that do not fit into conventional, typical society. And while both sides of these, these are not people that I would think that I would relate to or have much in common with. You know, I was a kid that grew up listening to punk rock music and thought that I was an outsider, felt very alienated in certain ways. And while not my particular tribe, these are kindred spirits in a lot of ways, I think. Absolutely. I mean, it's these people that experience major trauma and they go on a journey of discovery. They become much, shockingly, much stronger uh, for it. I mean, look at ICP in the beginning, it's a joke. And by the end, they're marching on Washington and giving a pretty great speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. I mean, what? It's like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, but you know, X-rated. Um, yeah. For people who don't know much about the movie. So it's the United States of insanity. And we spent seven, seven years and a lot of gray hair making it. Um, I directed and produced it with Brenna Sanchez. We made a Detroit firefighting documentary called burn and it tells the story of the most hated band in the world, Insane Clown Posse, and their one million fans called Juggalos. One million. That's like one out of every 300 people in America. And one day, the FBI added them to their gang list, which is a scary list. It's MS-13, Aryan Brotherhood, Crips, Bloods, like all the, all, all the baddies. And all of a sudden, Juggalos were on there. First time a fan base has ever been asked, added to the gang list. No one's ever been taken off the gang list. And our first shoot was them announcing that they're going to sue the FBI with the backing of the ACLU. And the movie kind of it chronologically follows that as something that nobody takes very seriously, slowly but surely becomes incredibly serious. I mean, we spent time with a guy named Sean Wolf in Arizona, whose son got put in a group home for six years because Sean had ICP memorabilia on his wall. We filmed somebody getting fired completely accidentally. Yeah. And it became a really like terrifying thing where all of a sudden a million people, you have a tattoo and you're a police officer. If they find out you're a gang member, you're kicked out of law enforcement and people started going to jail who had done nothing wrong. And then the ACLU got involved in this case, which seemed on the surface to be, I mean, the most ridiculous case ever. 
just kept getting worse and worse. And we followed it as it kind of kept climbing through the court system. Right now, it's one circuit under the Supreme Court. It is not going to the Supreme Court as much as I would love it to, but that should tell you the ups and downs, right? Over seven years. And at the same time, we got to know all these people. We went, we go home with Violent J. We meet his family, his kids. We, we've interviewed his mom. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the, the archival in the film, a lot of it people haven't seen before because they're in photo albums in Violent J's mom's closet when we were at her house. So on the one hand, it follows this pretty insane, terrifying First Amendment struggle. But at the same time, it's also this like deep dive into a group of people that, I mean, I didn't think I had anything in common with. And then you get to love them and see a lot of yourself in them. We just, the movie just finished its theatrical release on 666 screens. And uh, people walk out of the theater and they just have this look on their face and they're like, I think I might be a juggalo. Like, they like what I like. Wait a minute. There's, they like the Goonies. They like Michael Jackson. They like Pearl Jam. Um, and that's been really cool because that was our experience. And it's neat to see people, even if they don't necessarily fall in love with the music, although it's great party music, uh, they realize, oh, just because they may not like a thing doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot of value for somebody else. And the government sure, certainly shouldn't be legislating what people can and can't listen to or wear or say. Yeah, it's a really dangerous precedent to set that, I mean, this is something that you touch on in the film that has been going on um, for a long time in our government, where we do take groups that are kind of outsiders and they have unpopular speech and we try to regulate that and we try to push that voice down. But this is something that has never happened with some group of people based on taste in music. Um, there's, I don't see the connection between that and the possible disruption of society as a whole. It, it's just, we're not, our needs are not being served by this. Oh, at all. It's a opposite. Um, I mean, sure. The FBI has a history as we all know of targeting Elvis, yeah. the Beatles, the Grateful Dead, NWA, two live crew, Eminem, but that's always been investigative in nature. They've never officially They've never criminalized the music until now with Insane Clown Posse. And we went into the film with no agenda. Honestly, we just figured, all right, the FBI gang listed a million people. Of course, there's a good reason. We're going to find out what that is. And we never did. It turns out the FBI has no official criteria for what makes a gang. They unofficially have a three-item checklist of which ICP and their fans only check off two of them, which are that they're a group with a a single name and symbol, which is like, by the way, any sports team, uh, any religion Christ falls under any, that, any religion, the boy Scouts, uh, fire department. And so that's really scary. And, you know, we don't shy away from the crimes. There's some gruesome crimes committed by juggalos, some of which are clearly, uh, uh, inspired by the music, but you take a million of anybody you're going to find some pretty damaged people or outright bad people there. You take a million people who respond to music that sings about trauma and childhood violence. Yeah. That number may be higher, but look at like Raiders fans or Dodgers fans or any, almost any sports team where gang members openly rep that gear as a symbol. What's to prevent them from being uh, added to the gang list or Snoop Dogg or Lil Wayne, who openly identifies gang members. Um, 
that's why the ACLU got involved. And that was the thing that scared us because it's clearly trying to set a precedent. And um, had they not fought back this hard, it could still, I mean, I, it could still set a precedent. The case didn't go away yet. And it's the targeting of the fans that's so unique to this prior, all the people that you were talking about, they weren't targeting Elvis fans. They weren't targeting the fans of that music. It was just, that seems like such a disconnect where they're actually, they're leaving the individuals off and saying, no, well, they're artists, but this thing that they've created is too dangerous. And then the backwards logic of we're putting on this list, which is creating a reaction from local law enforcement, but because we're not telling them how to react to this list specifically, then our hands are washed of any culpability in what the it, local enforcement does. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense, which is the crazy thing about how the case keeps going. I mean, the FBI's argument is, yeah, to paraphrase what you said, hey, we put them on the gang list that we publish. It's called the gang threat assessment, but local law enforcement can do whatever they want. We're not saying they should do anything. This is just for information purposes. It's like, really? Local law enforcement's not supposed to follow the FBI's gang threat assessment? Like, is that a, are you kidding me? Yeah. And, but then you see court after court, they have to keep fighting. I mean, the case gets thrown out and comes back and gets thrown out and comes back. Again, they get ruled uh, against them and come back. And that is something that to me is really scary because here's a band that, you know, they have some money, they have a million fans, the backing of the ACLU, and here they are a decade later still fighting this. Imagine if you're a single person that something happens to, there's almost nothing you can do. Um, and I think that surprises people. And I'm by no means an anti like big government person, but one of the things that's been cool is that regardless of people's politics, I mean, 666 screens, we played everywhere. And Everybody walks out and agrees that's that's wrong. I don't want that <laughs> to happen. So that's been pretty great to see people sort of find common ground. And we're all, I mean, that this is something that isn't happening to other people. It's something that could happen to all of us, horror movie fans. Well, I'm glad that you bring up that particular angle on it because that was my take on this right away because I am somebody who... Um, I tend to fall pretty damn liberal in most of my beliefs on things. And so the idea of government oversight, I'm actually usually in favor of, but it is something that we need to keep in check and something that we need to look at and say, when are the times that this is not um, appropriate? When are these things when this is not something that we as a people do not want? Um, and right now, there was, I, I think that an, an anti-government overreach um, message right now could be kind of misconstrued as dangerous because there's all this level of politicization around it. I can't yeah. speak right now, but it's, I don't, that's not what this is about at all. That this isn't about um, vaccine mandates. This isn't about that kind of thing, but it's about how far unchecked power can go. And, and I think where I land, and I'm, I'm a card carrying socialist. Like I'm not, yeah. I am not anti-government, man. <laughs> I got, I got a, I got a tattoo where I got my vaccination. Uh, and, uh, I, um, but the thing I think it highlights, which I think people are becoming increasingly aware of is our lack of oversight when it comes to law enforcement. Yes. And I am not anti-law enforcement. I made two soon to be three first responders documentaries. I love law enforcement. I love them. Yeah. And at the same time, 
we need checks and balances and there needs to be accountability. And the FBI is a great example of that because it's essentially a black box. No idea who decides who's a gang. There's no appeals process. There's no person you can call up. It just is a thing that comes out of this black box and there's just nothing you can do unless you want to spend millions of dollars. And even then, I mean, they marched on Washington and it's the thing didn't go away. And I think that oversight is incredibly important now more than ever because the smaller our society continues to become with social media and travel, the easier it is to cause damage on a nationwide level. And I think that's a message people seem to understand. And it's not about, it's certainly not about vilifying individual law enforcement. I got to say, F, the F, FBI agents and bureau chiefs we talked to couldn't go on the record, but they were incredibly helpful to a person. They all felt like this was pretty, pretty big mistake off the record. They connected us with law enforcement that could speak on the record, but structurally, like that system has a huge problem. And I don't think they're any happier about, about it than anybody else. It's, and it's, it's something that I, I, it's blaming not the individuals in that sense. It's this larger system that's in place that you're right, that is going into this black box where there's not that oversight, there's not that check. It, it's essentially the same idea that allows us to have Guantanamo prisoners that have been there for 20 years now that, that the people that are holding are saying, no, this guy didn't do it. This guy is just sitting here and we have no way of unwinding this at this point where it just doesn't make any goddamn sense and we can do better than what we're doing. And I... The, the movie, though, is weirdly hopeful. Um, Absolutely. And it ends on just a, a like I had a huge laugh. At the, I, there were several times where I was kind of back and forth all over the place emotionally with this movie. I was getting angry. I was you know sad. I was touched. There was empathy, sympathy, um, which my only exposure to Insane Clown Posse prior to this was the 30-minute um, American Juggalo film, yeah. which really is like American, um, or what was that? I'm sorry. It's a heavy metal parking lot where it feels like it's a little more laughing at these did people. You, did you catch it? We used a clip from heavy metal parking lot yeah. in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay, I see we're all on the same yeah. page with this. I think where that felt like it, there was no human, they weren't being humanized in that sense. It was that and Bobcat Goldthwait telling a story about going to the gathering of the jugglers. So when I hear yeah. about the FBI calling them a gang, it's like, well, I've heard a lot of, terrible shit. And then in 2016, there was like the random clowns that were showing up in parks and scaring the hell out of people. Yeah. That was so not was like, Juggalos though. That's one, no, of no, the, it was not. Clown, it was, one of the few clown crimes we cannot pin on, <laughs> on Juggalos. But it was one of those things that in my mind, I'm putting all these things together and it's just, you know, I'm not spending a lot of time thinking about this, but it's just sort of the, what's going on in the ether. It's like, okay, yeah, that's, that seems ridiculous, but are, is the gang that large? Okay. And, but then I'm glad that I got to spend some time in this and think about this and actually kind of examine this and humanize these people again, because, um, you know, is it violent Jay that has the line at the end about the March on Washington and all the people that came along and the responses, but they still said their music was fit. It was just yeah. that moment. It's like triumphant, but still really funny at the same time. It's just a great way to end the film. Thank you. It, one of the things I'm really proud of with the movie, I mean, uh, poor Sam Hook, the editor, spent six years editing it, in part because we wanted to, it's about this really serious subject, but we wanted people to have a great time and, un, and walk out of it saying like, oh my God, I would love to go to a concert. Should I listen to the music? Juggalos are hilarious. And 
for all the heavy subject matter, the movie's also a lot of fun. I mean, I want to live in those end credits where it's just a, it's a five minute long, it's their closing set from the gathering. And it's just, it's crazy. I know it's, it's one of those things where after it and when good art can have that impression where you're like, oh, I think I like this. And then you remove it from the film and it's like, no, no, this isn't for me. But it's like, I, I like it's, it's It almost gets me there to where I go along. I, I remember at one point listening to a podcast and somebody was going off about their love of this specific cartoon character from the 70s. And I was like, oh my God, I, I just, I'm attracted to passion. And so yeah. I'm like, yes, I'm on board. And then I removed myself from their passion. It's like, oh no, that's not my passion. But I do love spending time and respect and appreciate people that have a passion for something like this. It's so singular. Oh yeah. I mean, to me, the magic of documentaries and why I love making them is you walk into something thinking, I'm not going to have anything in common with these people. And by the end, I mean, like I was saying, people walk out of the movie and are like, I might be a juggalo. What album should I buy? Um, And that to me is, I mean, that's why I love doing them because you get to meet people and go home with them and discover you have a lot in common with them. And I think, you know, when you do your job right, the audience feels that too. And I love how you sort of backpedaled toward the end of this interview that you're like not a juggalo. You're not necessarily a fan of the music, not shouldn't be gang listed. Not... It, it's, but I do identify with these people. I get it. These are people that I get uh, on a overcoming trauma uh, as far as feeling like you're not a part of society, being looked down upon in that way. I get that. Those are my people. We have a different way of expressing that. We have different, I think a lot of times when I, I didn't realize this till much later in life, but when I was dying my hair blue and had ridiculous haircuts, it was just a way of putting up a flag to say like, Hey, I I'm one of these. And hopefully I could, it was free internet. So it was how we found each other through those signals like that. And I think th- this is what they're doing. And I get that even, and I completely support that. Absolutely. 100% on board with, with people finding their tribe. Me too. It's um, that's one of the reasons I think it's tragic that, that that's been criminalized. You know, you can be a kid in a small town. People make fun of you for being a juggalo. There's no other juggalos in your town. And the only time you get to see your friends is at these concerts or the gathering. And Mm -hmm. then you take that away from people. I mean, there's nothing about that that isn't positive. And have you found, I'm assuming the fan response to this from the juggalos has to be very positive. Um, Yeah. What are the other people that are coming into this? Because as somebody who's not that, and that's why I wanted to kind of underline that, that there's a lot somebody like me got out of this film that I wasn't on board for this. I wasn't out of the gate, just like this wasn't for me specifically in my mind. I didn't think it was, but it was absolutely for me. So who are the people that have been seeing this outside of just the juggalos? Uh, I've been really excited. I mean, the majority of the people that have gone to see the movie have not been juggalos. And I mean, a lot of juggalos have come, but I mean, we're in a million screens. The juggalos have all loved it. Wow, this is a real movie. They're, they're bringing their family and their parents to see it. Like, this is why I'm into it. And the non-juggalos, though, have been so rewarding because like I was saying a minute ago, they walk out and they're just like, I think I might be a juggalo. They like the same movies I like. They actually like the same music I like. It seems really fun. I would love to have a family of a million people that I could like go to when I need help. And I think now more than ever, after we're coming out of this isolation, the thought of a community of strangers coming together, I think really, really that communal joy really speaks to people in a way that um, I don't know a lot of other fan bases who are like that. No, 
And certainly no, no I, gangs. I don't know any gangs that I see no. hug each other and throw parties and like sell t-shirt lines. I, I mean, the, cl- the closest thing is that you'll see some motorcycle gangs that do like toys for tots type mm-hmm. things, but those aren't hell's angels. Those are like weekend warrior guys. Those are like those kinds of things where there's, and I think it's that kind of thing where this sense of community they have that's so important to them. Clearly the good work that these guys are doing, that their fans are doing in the name of that is really impressive. Um, where can, now that you're wrapping up the theatrical run, where can people see the movie? Cause I, I, I'm all on board and I'm definitely recommending this to anybody that'll listen. Cause this is a great little movie. Thank you so much. Starting December 10th, which is tomorrow for today's interview, the movie will be out on DVD. We shot so much. There's like an extra six hours and it'll be on worldwide digitally on iTunes, Amazon, uh, Google, and Microsoft. So you can find links at icpmovie.com or just like fire up the Roku or your laptop and check it out. It's, uh, it's a good time. I'll put a link to it in the show notes because this is a great movie. I know it's going to find its audience. This is going to be one of those ones that I think will be salient for years to come where there is uh, what this is about is something much bigger than Insane Clown Posse, that this is a movie that will resonate for years to come. And congratulations on it, man. It's a great film. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> thank you, Tom. It was so good to see you again. I really good appreciate this, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks um, for letting me know about the the picture. That's uh, awesome. Like I was, I, I I was literally nervous before this interview, um, and I generally don't get very nervous anymore, just because I You're wanted nervous. to make sure that I was expressing myself um, with the gratitude that was appropriate for it. That it like it, it was very touching to me that you sent that along. So I just wanted oh, to make sure that you understood ha- that. I was so stoked that it like meant that it meant something to you. That's a yeah, lot. Awesome. Yeah, for very sure. cool. Awesome. All right. Well, Take care, man. I hope to speak to you on the next one, okay? God willing. All right. (laughs) Take care. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
Voice Crack.